Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. May 30th, 2021, Memorial Day weekend. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. We've got several pieces of news this week. Unfortunately, some of these stories are pretty negative and showing some players in some not good light. But speaking of light, light dawns from the horizon as OTAs begin this week. But first... Let's start out with a little bit of sour grapes from Le'Veon Bell. Oh, the light has dimmed in Le'Veon's eyes. There's a great quote in the cinematic classic Dodgeball, starring and created by Ben Stiller, in which he gets upset at the main female lead character because she falls in love with Vince Vaughn's character, who he's... Um, He's a patron of the average Joe's Gymnasium. He's got a dad bod. He's not that good at anything, particularly fitness. Whereas Ben Stiller's character, White Goodman, is a physical marvel. He's a species, He's a specimen. He's a new species of, of human. And he's pissed off at the girl that she fell in love with Vince Vaughn. And somebody's asking him about it later. And he says, huh. She got the scent of a lesser stag in her nostrils. Well, that's what Najee Harris is feeling right now. Because Le'Veon puts out a tweet this week indicating 100% that the man just can't let it go. Dude, it, it's done. It's over. So Bell is putting out a bunch of uh, ritualistic yearly um, preseason tweets on how he's going to be great this year. He puts one of those out. Uh, every year since he left the Steelers, he has been great. Exactly. Just let me check. Let me check my notes real quick. <clears throat> yeah, zero of those years. Uh, zero of the years has he even been average since he left the black and gold. Okay, there's a confluence of factors that go into that. He had to play for Adam Gase. Definitely not a great situation. But in response to one angry tweeter who tweeted at him, you should have stayed with the Steelers when you had the chance, he retweeted the guy. So this is really putting it on blast. This isn't just a response in a conversation. And he says, they should have paid me what I wanted then. And to that, I respond, why'd you do that? Like, let it go, okay? You're talking about a top five favorite Steeler of all time for me here. Uh, really number three. And number two and number three have really done a poor job of, you know, maintaining their Steelers' legacies. But I love Le'Veon. I think we talked about it uh, for approximately 1,600 hours of podcast time while it was happening, Dad. And we stated our case, right? Like, both sides are right. He, they, 
like the Steelers offered him an amazing contract. I think 25% more than the next closest running back, which was LaShawn McCoy. He was making under $10 million at the time. I believe they offered Le'Veon $12.5 million, um, plus incentives and stuff like that. Long story short, they offered him a really good contract, but he wanted an even bigger contract. And it's a free market, and he is using the tools available to him to try to go get the money. So... Do I love the decision for him to leave Pittsburgh? No, but he wasn't a total douche until the very end when he trashed Ben on ESPN and tried to use Ben as a scapegoat and other people as a scapegoat uh, to get out of there. So once we have that opinion down, right? Okay, it was a little on both sides. You would think that Le'Veon Bell, who works in this profession, could see that. So when he said they should have paid me what I wanted, don't act like they lowballed you, dude. Actually, by all accounts, they offered to overpay you by a tremendous amount. But, like, they didn't give him some crappy deal. They gave him a phenomenal offer. We saw how his career has turned out since then. You know, say what you want. Maybe if he went to a better team besides New York, he'd, he'd be a good player still. I don't know about that. But, uh, yeah, that just annoyed me. Like, let it go, dude. We are finally just beginning to consider the possibility of going back to Bask and Killer Bee highlights because obviously I've not been able to do that for the past two years after most of the bees have turned into raging psychopaths. But now you might have delayed my rewatch timetable by a couple months because Le'Veon just can't let it go and he still can't do math, uh, basic math, to realize that he actually would have made more money from the Pittsburgh Steelers than he did from the Jets. You know, I'm way past talking about you know the, the 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 wisdom of his decision. What's crazy is he is engaging in this thing, and he's not engaging in this with national figures. I looked up the guy with the original tweet. <laughs> the guy's profile is that he's a Kent State alum, and I sort of am a Kent State alum. Okay, great. Yeah. It doesn't see he doesn't seem to have a theme to his tweets. There's some sports, some other you know memes in here, and he has 637 followers. Uh, you know, not not bad, but he's but he's not like a nationally known figure. And Le'Veon's responding to him. Not only does he respond to this just average Joe from Middle America, he gets into it with a bunch of people. This is a thrust and parry Twitter fight with him. The fact that he's deigning to reach down to these lowly humans is just shows you. Well, I don't know what it shows me. Why does he care? He has 1.8 million followers, and he's talking to a guy. With fewer than a thousand, you this is this is why we pay you the big bucks, Dad, because you just turned my seven hundred forty eighth Le'Veon Bell rant into an actually interesting, intriguing social discussion. Le'Veon Bell was changed fundamentally in his holdout year, and when you look back at it, it's like I actually feel bad for this guy in a lot of in a lot of ways. I know there's people out there saying like, "Oh, he made millions of dollars." It's it. You know, it's possible to be two things at once. Okay, we can be happy for we can we know he's fine. He has millions of dollars, but you can also feel bad for him. Okay, two things can happen. World. All right. Moving on. That holdout saw him engaging so deeply with Twitter. And you remember how discombobulated his strategy was with his agent who also didn't know what he was doing as evidenced by the fact that they got absolutely fleeced by the by, – well, they I guess they fleeced the Jets. But you know, did, couldn't get him an offer. They were so confident. There's literally only one team interested in paying him big dollars outside of Pittsburgh. But 
His uh, Le'Veon started responding to people on Twitter. He had that Instagram live session where he went for like an hour, and you could tell he didn't have his mind made up. And he, at certain points, he would guarantee like, oh, you know what, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back. Or like, this is all going to work out. And then the next week, he would be, nope, i got to get my money. I'm standing on my own. He had no plan. He was, as the Joker said, I'm a, I'm a dog chasing cars. That's what he was. And his attitude he used to be such a fun guy. Like I, I'm sure people still like him in the locker room because he's a cool guy. But his personality changed in that lockout year. And we did defend him on the podcast saying, like, this is an insane amount of criticism for a guy to have to deal with. And even when you're dealing with people who have 600 followers or whatever it is, you know, maybe not quite on your level, it still affects the human being. It's pretty much impossible to turn that off. It's really difficult. So we talked about how that sucked, how he had to go through that, especially with people's lack of knowledge on, you know, how unfair the the franchise tag is. But look, that's what they agreed to. Teams are allowed to use that, so he's just using his weapons. But it's unbelievable to me that he doesn't he, he hasn't grown a day since that lockout. And I think that is the the the. The line in the sand of Le'Veon Bell's early life here. I hope he gets over it one day. But he is just this bitter guy that is so obsessed with what other people think of him that it causes him to lash out. Like you should let bygones be bygones and look back at Pittsburgh and be like, "Yeah, that was pretty awesome. They did they did treat me really well." Um, and it didn't work out in the end, but I'm gone. But nope, he just he's too much pride to stand for that. The guy's never going to start another game in the NFL, and he's still just clinging on to it. I like your the word you use, bitter. It seems like he's frustrated, and I'll bet you every time he sees or talks to that agent, he reminds him of the bad advice he got. The bad advice, which it sounds like he took, and maybe he changed his mind. He waffled during that whole period, but he doesn't seem to be taking any accountability, which to me would look like, just get off of Twitter and you won't see this guy. How did that guy even yeah. come onto his radar? Anyway... It's a shame to see a guy who who we we really did love him while he was in Pittsburgh. I I gave him a lot of credit for sitting out. I mean, yeah, he did pass up money, did roll the dice. He ended up doing okay financially. Oh, yeah. So I, I didn't begrudge him that. But you know, be accountable for your decisions. You sat out a year. That's a pretty unique action to take. Well, there's two things that makes me think of. Number one is that the killer bees changed the NFL. Like, I don't think you would have this, uh, the Jalen Ramsey trade, the uh, Jamal Adams trade, if A.B. hadn't forced his way out of Pittsburgh. You have guys recognizing their value sitting at a training camp directly because Le'Veon Bell. And I think that the Adams trade sort of led a little bit to, uh, I think all that stuff, you know, Tom Brady. I'm not going to give A.B. credit for that. You know, he was a free agent, but... That was a weird little situation, and, and indirectly it leads to Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and what they want, and just this this unprecedented movement where superstar players are really forcing their way out outside of like receivers and stuff like that. So it is wild, the ripple effect that it had. And I think about this every once in a while, like when you make your top 10 favorite Steelers list, which I do weekly, you know? Can I put A.B. and Le'Veon as number two and three after what they did to the team? And the answer is... Well, of course I can, because while they were on the team, it was it was amazing. Like, yeah, I hate how it ended, but hey, Terry Bradshaw doesn't even come to three or, or <laughs> Heinz Field 
granted, he ha- he has been making up for it recently, and uh, so yeah, I, I I give him credit for standing where he did. I guess you can't hate on him that like that much for gambling. I mean, he yeah, he he did all right financially. How much money did he lose, Dad? Because they would have been chasing the Super Bowl the following year. They had an amazing team that year. The endorsements, the national spotlight he got as a Steeler, and especially if you become like a lifetime Steeler, he's missed out on millions and millions of dollars. And he rolled that dice wrong. He bet on himself and he lost. He could have just bet on himself and stayed on the Steelers. But you're right. It is a wild situation, and it did just make me sad to see a guy who I like a lot and have a lot of great memories of, like – being so petty and and broken and bitter. Well, like you said, he the other killer bees were good locker room guys. I don't really know if the killer bees were good locker room guys, but I bet you there's a lot better ones out there, and you can find them at Locker Room. That's right. The live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to us. You can talk to fans. You can talk to athletes and insiders in real time. Rappaport, he's he's trolling those those boards over there in locker room. I don't know that for a fact, but I would assume he is. And you can even get a hold of him. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, reacting to breaking news. You can share your own experiences on the app, and you don't have to deal with, well, real life. Because it's sports only. It's locker room talk. Get in the locker room now, all you got to do is go download the Locker Room app for free at the iOS store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. I think uh, listeners of the podcast know who really understands football and has watched it a lot, sort of knows what's going on around the uh, league. So it won't surprise you to know that I've always thought of OTAs as optional team activities, but it's really organized team activities. And I know that I just can't lock it in my brain. It is optional, which makes the showing for this past week's OTAs kind of gratifying and surprising. So more than three-fourths of the 90-man roster showed up for OTAs this week. That's substantial. I think there's some other teams that have had some some good attendance rates. But the Steelers are high up there in terms of the real big competitors. So it's nice to see them there. Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Hayward are there. And I believe Cam made a comment about that saying, like, look, we recognize that it's really important for us to get in there and build some relationships right now. So you can tell that Cam and Ben and some of the old dudes on the team, they are serious about wanting to win a Super Bowl. And I know that's not ground-shaking news, but this goes a long way. You know, obviously Roger is dealing with the contract situation. Uh, Brady's not at camp. He's really been trying to spearhead the nobody-go-to-OTAs movement, which is so weird considering he had like illegal OTAs last year, right? <laughs> At like a Tampa Bay high school. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool that they have such great participation and uh, it's a good start. I guess the big uh, story is that the receivers aren't there. And like you said, it's not that much of a story because people don't go all the time. But uh, what do you think about the wide receiver is not being there? Do you think that that says something about their Hollywood personas, given the fact that I believe Juju and Claypool are both in L.A.? Claypool just got interviewed by TMZ while he got into the back of a sports car, I believe, yesterday. More on that later. Do you care at all that they're not at OTAs? Keep in mind that sometimes I think people hear OTA and they think training camp. No, this is extremely preliminary stuff. It bothers me as a lay 
layperson fan because you just feel like the fact that Ben and Cam are there to build, not build the culture, the culture's there, but to instill the culture and drive home the seriousness of the season. And I just wish I, I just wish everybody was there. You make you make a great point. These guys, I'm sure, are still training hard and getting ready for the season. They just don't feel it's necessary to come in and do these grass drills. Let's yeah, with the rest of the team. Although you would think there would be a benefit to having them there from a timing perspective. Yeah. So we're we are really careful about this on the show. Like the whole argument that fans try to make of they're millionaires they should do this is legitimately you know it, it could be used as a, a doctor's note for a cat scan for your brain i'm talking about it's really dumb they're millionaires it's not tax dollars people this money this is paid for their salaries are paid for by people who watch the game voluntarily who buy the tickets who buy the jersey so so get that out of there Okay. Now, this is an opinion I have that I feel s- sort of flies in the face of that. So I want to think it out more, but maybe we can get it done on air. It does sort of seem to me like you have the most amazing job in the world. I know it's unbelievably hard. The season's like four months long. Can't you? You are making millions of dollars, and Chase Claypool's stance maybe not quite that much but why can't you just go that that is weird i i guess it's just because otas were never required before so now it sort of feels like hey we always had this freedom but and now they're they're making us go well not really chase claypool never had that freedom he hasn't been in the nfl for 20 years i do find it weird that people don't go to this i do find it weird that it's optional why don't they just make this mandatory i don't see a lot of uh, I don't see a lot of arguments otherwise. I know that you can train better on your own. You can in terms of getting your body in, on an individual basis uh, more ready. We've talked about that quite a bit. That information's out there. You can have trainers with specialization to you as an exact athlete instead of a couple guys trying to train 100 people on a football team. But is it what, like a week or two? Is that really going to throw your training regimen off that much? And the, you don't even have to be here until training camp in, in August? If it does feel weird to me when people don't go to it. Yeah, and it's just not getting your body in shape. I mean, there are, there are football drills, and there's just being around guys. Could you imagine the last thing you you see them in December or January, and you don't see these guys again until, like, July? I think that's a big gap not to be around your the people you're going to be so intimately involved with over the season. Yeah, from a team building standpoint, it seems so obvious. You're right. What a big gap. Now, from the conditioning, I'd argue the opposite. The, the OTAs are going to affect your conditioning in a negative way. There's a lot of walkthroughs and drills and stuff like that. Whereas you saw all the old videos of AB and Le'Veon when they would train in Florida, and it's different. I mean, it's just you can prepare your body better with individual trainers outside of the team. But like I said, I feel like you have plenty of time to jump back on that horse. Yeah, let's face it. These guys are going to miss a week, maybe, of their regular workouts. And this, it's a that's going to really set them back that far. Yeah, Yeah, because I think, well, Juju and Claypool are in, are in L.A. And they're doing their things. And I know Steelers fans will be mad about that. But I also feel like, well, it is nice for them to get some other time to be able to build their brands and their businesses outside of football, particularly considering the crap benefits they get as retirees. 
So like the least you could do is give them some time to do some other stuff because you know they don't have that same level of time during the season. Although, like Najee Harris says, you got a cr- I got a crap load more time on my hands in the NFL than I did at Alabama. Um, but again, it's a week. If you were making them come like every month, I get that. I'm like, this is getting a little ridiculous, right? Uh, but yeah, it is a little disappointing that they're not there. I guess that's just how I would end that up. Well, you know how Cam made this comment about, I mean, I'm not sure who thought what was the NFLPA against players showing up for, for these OTAs. Yes. And Cam pointed to the 17 game season as a major concern for players to get back on the field early. Now, it doesn't seem like these guys running over some pads and knocking into some blocking dummies prepares them for the season. So I'm not sure where he was coming from on that. Again, in my impression is you go there for some team building to meet some new guys. That's and what it actually, is. And actually, and you do have, I don't know if they're, again, they're not, are they in, installing an offense or a blocking scheme for the offensive line? I don't know if they do that. So that's not really a good argument for OTAs. But well, maybe there's an introduction this year to they that are. stuff. This year they are. They're, may, they're having a whole new offensive philosophy. So that's why it does piss me off a little bit. I'm like, you, 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 the Steelers are clearly not in the top tier of the AFC that has the Chiefs there. You know, there's even other teams that are just rolling better. I mean, you got absolutely steamrolled by the Browns, and their roster is completely comparable to yours, if not better. The Ravens, I mean, what I'm trying to say is, like, if the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl this year, they would be like the team, like the Giants when they won the Super Bowl a couple times or or Ben's first Super Bowl with the Seahawks. Like, the third, you know, the fourth or fifth team you think about. Like, yeah, they're really good, but they would have to have a lot go right for them. Uh, They're going to be relying on a ton of rookies, you know, to win the Super Bowl. So this seems like the time when you would go there to do that, especially in a year when you're changing your blocking scheme. And you're right, it's more just... Team building, getting rookies used to the being in the NFL and, and the rigmarole of everything. But it, why wouldn't you go above? It's a it's like a week, right? Am I wrong? Segwaying and capitalizing on your top tier term, Ben just can't catch a break, can he? He's not considered <laughs> not only not considered top ten. What what was he uh, just ranked like twenty fourth of the active quarterbacks by, by PFF? Who? Oh, you know what? I, I'm not even going to go into the PFF thing. Listen, I think all these – I'm obviously going to. <laughs> we need to. It's no, a big story. No, I'm, I am I mean like I could do three hours on them. Every fan wants to say, oh, Joe Buck's against my team. Chris Collinsworth is against my team. And that's just not true. You're just looking at it. You're just pissed off when the team's losing and they're just commentating on the game and you perceive everything as being against your team. PFF is against the Steelers. They don't like them. And what I like is that uh, some people have called PFF out because they've made they made a joke. Uh, they did a uh, tweet of Ben Roethlisberger throwing little five yard passes to Najee Harris and said Big Ben warming up his deep fall ball for the year. And somebody said I don't know if it was Foster or Hayward or someone, but it's like your whole shtick is that you're supposed to be statistic based analytics, but now you want to get jokes off. You know, like you just kind of fluctuate back and forth for what you are from what you are, and they. You know, PFF can be a joke when you look at some of their top-rated quarterbacks. They, they're the kind of – who do they have a few years ago? Go look at their top-rated quarterbacks this year, and it's mediocre, guys. You know, it's a flawed system. It's just one small tool. Let me reiterate, small tool to use in terms of football analysis. We talked about a million times. Stats 
don't work in football the way they do in baseball. There's too many situational things going on. You talk about, oh, teams that run in this down and distance are generally successful. Well, the difference between the Jets running and the Niners running is is so astronomical that those numbers are getting skewed. Who are you running against? There's the fact that in the NFL – your schedule can be dramatically easier or dramatically harder than someone else's schedule. There's just too many moving parts to be able to just look at statistics. But PFF constantly has a little uh, anti-Steelers bias, and it's annoying. They definitely have it towards Ben. They because And you know why? Because people respond. Because people hate Ben. The media hates Ben. Every person who's not a Steelers fan wants to just get in the mentions and talk about Ben and so I'm sure they're just going to keep doing it because it works that way but uh, they're so annoying screw PFF so you don't care about their rankings in no way shape or form I'm trying to remember which quarterbacks like every year there's like three or four guys at the top like Dave uh, Derek Carr will be their top ranked guy Sam Bradford will be their guy they're like look at these completions it's like you mean the completions for negative one yards like they'll just worship drew Brees, but you can't like where's your stat to determine all the long the long throws he didn't even throw like okay he's completing all of his passes but there's guys running downfield at 20 yards that Taysom hill a guy who doesn't even play quarterback is hitting that Brees is not hitting where's your stat for that you can't track that you know and then it's like well we have our film guys watch the film and they break it down okay so it's subjective then then go look at the profile of these nerds. It's like this 23-year-old kid just getting out of college, can't even spell Roethlisberger right. And like, oh, that's the guy you have looking after the statistics? I don't know about all that. So screw them. Let's burn them to the ground. The 2022 cap was announced this week at $208 million. And just to put that in perspective, this year's is 182 That bodes really well for the Steelers because – Steelers, I think we mentioned this last week, have uh, the highest amount of cap space at $75 million. That's a little misleading because that's $75 million with only 44 guys on the roster and under contract. And remember, a third of that is going to go to TJ Watt. Watt. <laughs> yeah. A third of that is going to Ben because we are convinced he's going to come back. He's not going to play for less than $25 million. And you've got $25 million to sign 50 guys. <laughs> he's not going to play for $25 million. He'll, he'll He took the pay cut this year. So when he comes back, hopefully he takes another one, right? But, uh, yeah. They won't have space. I mean, $75 million, they need. They have to sign nine more guys under that. Well, what's he plus, making um, this year? Like 16? He's making some, He finally went down to a measly salary this year, right? Ben Roethlisberger. He did, but um, – He's still $10 million of dead cap hit next year if he doesn't play. And I'm assuming they've got to pay him at least 25. I mean, $25 million is all they could afford and still sign the other nine guys they have to bring in. I, remember, I was saying again, I think they would pay him less than $25 million. Oh, okay. Would he take it? Uh, I think so. I think that this year would be the, the indication of that because Colbert said basically said so much in his – postseason or like pre-draft press conferences like yeah we always want to bend back but we told him we couldn't carry him at that salary and and be able to have a competitive team and so he basically admitted to the public yeah we knew he was getting paid a little bit too much at this stage of his career and ben you know took the pay cut like a beast but um yeah i 
that $75 million is going to get eaten up quickly. And if I were you, I sign Minka now as well. I'm not even joking. I, I think you want to lock those guys up early if you can. And hopefully TJ gets a, a deal this summer. It wouldn't be a horrible idea. Now, what year is TJ going into? Is he going into the fifth year right now? Yeah, he's in his fifth year option. So, Yeah, he's in the fifth year option. Yeah, he should be getting signed in, uh, pretty soon here. Um, but I think the the moral of the story is the Steelers at least won't be in negative cap space, which to us is like having an infinite amount of cap space as a Steelers fan. So that's good. So the uh, rookies continue to be signed. The number one and number two draft picks, Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth, are done, and we are still waiting for Kendrick Green. And as we pointed out last week, this is all pretty perfunctory. I think this is a matter of no. These guys have nothing but time on their hands. You just think they could just be moving the paperwork through, but they still have Kendrick Green yet to sign. Nick, Janoris yeah. Jenkins. What about him? Jackrabbit? Questionable judgment. Did you hear this story? I actually didn't. What happened? He had his Rolls Royce stolen. Not good. It was parked in the economy lot at the airport. He's saving a buck. To keep his Rolls Royce in the economy lot of an international airport, <laughs> and oh, he's not, not happy, look, dude. That's not a good look, man. What? <laughs> he said. Uh, he sent it out. His the tweet was, uh, "Please tag Atlanta Airport and share this." Oh, I like a new one within a week. I guess he needs a new Rolls. Yeah, we'll get that to you right away, Jackrabbit. Hey, hit us up on Twitter. We also are on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.